We are planting trees whose harvest will be enjoyed by others is an adage I have long used to describe my ministry as an interim pastor because everything I did was to guide a congregation toward health and wellness, preparing them to enter a long and fruitful relationship with their next installed pastor. I also used this saying when I did youth ministry because I knew the fruits of what we do today with children and youth will not come to complete fruition until five years later. In many ways, this adage is about persistence because unless one is willing to work patiently today, diligently for the harvest that will not come until some point in the future, one is not persistent. Unless one is willing to put off the momentary fleeting reward of today, the immediate gratification of this day for the true, long-lasting life of well-being and peace that will come in the future, one is not persistent. Persistence is what both Jeremiah and Luke are teaching us today, though in diverse ways. Jeremiah speaks God's words about the heart transplant God will be making in the exiled Israelites, so they might live as God has been trying to persuade them to live, trying to teach them to live, trying to command them to live, inviting them to live, since Abraham and Sarah. God says through the prophet, The days are surely coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, I will put my teaching in their hearts, I will write it on their hearts, and they shall be my people and I shall be their God. This is the promise of an intimate relationship that is not dependent upon following words etched in stone but operates from within like blood flowing in veins and arteries bringing nourishing life to the entire body. God is promising to be one flesh with the people, so that finally sin and judgment will be a thing of the past and God's people will live in the closeness of a life-giving and life-sustaining relationship that cannot be broken and cannot be destroyed because we do not have to learn God's teachings, they are intrinsically part of who we are, our actions and our words will express the truth that God lives within us. Now, while we tend to focus on the heart transplant of the Israelites, we often fail to appreciate God's persistence in the relationship with humankind. If we were, as one commentator suggests, to summarize the biblical story of the Old and New Testaments it would be about God's persistent, unshakable, everlasting, faithful love for humans and for all creation. Repeatedly, we discover the depths of humanity's penchant to ignore God, thinking we must be God and trying to live according to our own agendas, rules, and philosophies. Yet, God is so in love with us that God refuses to let us go our own way. Rather, God persistently stays bound in this relationship through God's own sovereign actions to save us often from ourselves whether in flood or exodus or exile or cross and resurrection, offering us a way to comprehend justice that restores people to community instead of banishing them out of community, listening to our prayers of gratitude or lament, our crying day and night in pain, without ever forgetting us, then forgiving us time and time again even to the point of taking on all the deadly consequences of our sins upon God's own being in Christ, just to bridge the chasm separating us from God and from each other, bringing us to a renewed life of health, well-being and peace. In the face of God's persistent love, God's people are challenged in every generation from the man and woman in the Garden of Eden to those of us sitting in this sanctuary and around the world by Jesus' question, Will the Son of Man, find faith on earth? This question challenges us to respond to God's persistence in this relationship with our own persistence. Indeed, Reformed theologians including John Calvin have emphasized that we cannot separate who God is and what God does from who we are and what we are called to do. God's sovereignty over all areas of our life does not allow us to compartmentalize our faith into private and public boxes. Rather, our whole life is connected to God. This is the reason the parable of the widow, who unrelentingly seeks justice from a man who is a judge and who disrespects everyone and who ignores everyone and cares little for their concerns or opinions is about persistence not only in praying for justice and praying for peace, health, and well-being, but faithfully living lives attuned to the way God calls us to live. However, as we know, being persistent and living faithfully is not easy. Just read the epistles and the stories of the church's struggles throughout the centuries and all the many separate places where followers of Christ have tried to live faithful lives, 
persistently trying to live God's way in the world. Whether it has been persecutions, the social culture, false teachers or false pastors or the institutional church leading people to worship and follow them instead of worshiping God and following Christ, Christians have had to struggle and persistently seek to faithfully live God's way. It has never been easy, and it is not easy today in this country when we have discovered in this current election season the way so many Christians have forgotten the point of being a follower of Christ. Yet, praying consistently and persistently is not easy either. Teacher and pastor Fred Craddock said this about prayer, all we know in the life of prayer is asking, seeking, knocking, and waiting, trust sometimes fainting, sometimes growing angry. He could say the same thing about faithful living because we will come up against people who have more power than we do and who are willing to do whatever they want to keep their power and privilege. The widow certainly had that experience with the judge. Widows after all were powerless in ancient Israelite society. They needed a strong advocate just to be treated with some small measure of respect and to be treated fairly. Of course, this is the reason God time after time declared that one measure of Israel's faithfulness to God was how that community cared for its most vulnerable and powerless members widows, orphans, poor, and the resident migrants and immigrants living in the community's midst. A measure of its faithfulness as God's people was how just, fair, and equitable a society it was. Did the lives of one group of people in the community matter more than the lives of other people in the community? Did the wealthy get special treatment? Did the priests in the temple get special treatment? Were the rules of the community stacked in favor of one group of people at the expense of other people in the community? Yet, Jesus tells us that as powerless and poor as this widow is she does not give up. She constantly seeks out the judge in the day and in the night crying, weeping, and wailing until finally the judge can no longer bear to be confronted by her persistent pleas and gives her the justice she seeks. Jesus is pointing to this woman as emblematic of persistence, as the example of what it means to never give up, or as Vince Lombardi, the great football coach once said, it's not important if you get knocked down, but whether you get back up every time you get knocked down. Also note this about the widow, she isn't sitting at home waiting for something to happen, she is actively seeking the justice she needs for her health and well-being. I imagine her life of persistent prayer and trust in God has empowered to her to be so active, knowing she is not seeking after justice alone because God is with her and with God nothing is impossible, as the Torah, the Psalms, the prophets and Jesus' life, death and resurrection and the epistles persistently teach us. As Professor Tom Long notes, if we really trust God and really believe in the power of prayer, in the power of praying that God's kingdom come, so that will be done on earth as it is heaven, if we really believe that prayer can affect world peace, if we were truly convinced that prayer changes things, changes us, heals broken lives and restores severed relationships, then we would be praying constantly and we'd experience the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit driving us out into the streets where the people are so we might persistently and actively work for peace, for well-being and for the health of the community as an act of resistance against all forms of injustice. For as Louisa Schottroff emphatically writes in her interpretation of this parable, praying and crying to God against injustice describes the whole life of the believers, their efforts, their protests of injustice. It also describes their trust in God, for they know that God acts very differently than the unjust God. As Jesus teaches us through the story, God grants justice because God not only persistently loves us through self-giving actions, but God's loving justice reveals God's resistance to individual and community sin, resistance to the powers that greedily seek their own agendas, their own way at the expense of the rest of humanity and creation. God's loving justice reminds us that the point of following Christ is persistently glorifying God by helping humanity, especially the exploited, the destitute, and those trying to survive as well as humbly serving others, being joyfully hospitable working to create economic and social structures, so every person has all they need for life, radically loving all people because there is no us in them, 
it is only all of us and being grateful to God for the life given to us as a gift, mindfully aware of how precious and wondrous it is because God created it out of a persistent love.